what does it actually mean to be a six, seven, eight, or nine-figure founder? When someone talks about their financial success, what are you not being told? And most importantly, how can you feel confident about your own work and your own worth when you're bombarded with messages about making more while doing less, even from founders or business leaders who operate under a different business model or in a different industry than you? Today on the Rising Tide Talent Show, I'm shedding some light on what can be a pretty dark and murky topic, money. Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. The Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. Well, here comes the rising, the rising I'm all about an abundance mindset. I think we generally should be more transparent about our goals. And in terms of business, I don't think we should be afraid of sharing real numbers. We can't get what we don't ask for. And woo or not, I have seen and experienced magic in my life when I cast my goals and my hopes and my dreams into the universe. And when I know that what's meant to be mine will be mine. That's what a rising tide is all about. Once we know not just what market value our products and skills have, but once we have some precedent to use as leverage and as context, we can all be more confident in asking for compensation that does align with our work product. And we, especially we women, can be sure that we aren't undercutting ourselves. If we believe that a rising tide lifts all ships, we also have to believe that the tide is sometimes fueled by honest talk. If I know that a colleague who shares my level of experience and my skill set is making a higher salary than I am, it should empower me to ask for more compensation at my next review or to speak with my boss about a raise. Taking that out of a traditional role and moving it into entrepreneurship, if I know that a speaker who has the same reach, the same engagement, the same number of followers, the same overall influence, etc., if I know that that speaker has been offered an honorarium of X dollars and I've been offered much less, it gives me that confidence and again, the context to either ask for more or to walk away from the opportunity. I have a lot to say about entitlement and what I perceive to be the messiness of worth versus value. Now, I love the concept of telling people, again, especially telling women, that they deserve more and that they should raise their rates, stop treating dollars for hours, work less, make more, on and on and on. We've all heard those messages. In fact, I'm sure I have said them in the past But the reality that I too often see right now is that service providers, coaches, consultants, we can all be too righteous about it all. Like we're telling people you should just ask more to ask more without having a hard look at the return on investment that your clients and customers get. But that's an entirely different podcast episode. I'm only sharing this little aside so that you have a little bit more color and insight into my perspective as I go into what I think the real dangers and darkness are when we talk openly about money. So I want to ask you a question. This is the same question that I asked recently on my social media platforms. Here it is. 
when someone says that they are a seven-figure founder, what do you assume about their revenue? Have they grossed $1 million all time? Netted $1 million all time. Do they gross $1 million each year? Do they net $1 million each year? Or is there some version of that story that you think that I haven't even listed here? Now, I ask this question because labeling ourselves or others as X-figure founders, it's very common right now. But if we don't agree or align on what the definition of that is, how can we make reasonable comparisons to our success versus theirs? And we don't agree on the definition. The results of my poll prove it. Grossing $1 million all time and grossing $1 million each year were fairly split in terms of responses to my poll. And that can be a major difference in actual dollars. $1 million a year each year over 10 years is $10 million. So that's 10 times the revenue as someone who has made $1 million across those 10 years combined. And yet when I asked my followers to respond to what they think a seven-figure founder is, they were split. About half thought it was version A and about half thought it was version B. And now we have to take an even deeper dive. We have to look at gross, what is earned before expenses, taxes, et cetera, are taken out, and net the number after paying those expenses. For those of you who may be really into this topic, you know that there are other terms like EBITDA or the profit before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And then we can go even more granular and talk about gross revenue versus gross profit. The words do matter. And not just when you're raising money or updating your shareholders or running your own small business books to see if you can even keep things going for another six months. The words matter because all of this comes dangerously close to being a vanity exercise. And it's one that I think really can be harmful, especially for people who struggle with imposter syndrome or with negative self-image. And by the way, isn't that each and every one of us? I have worked with and currently work with some of those seven, eight, nine figure business owners. When I say those terms, I mean what they generate in gross revenue each year. So on paper, we're talking about successful people. But from my up close experience, I will tell you that even the most strong, powerful, badass founders, they find some weaknesses or gaps in their own companies to worry about or often They look at other founder CEOs and wish they had what those other CEOs have. Am I entitled to know what you as a business owner make or what rates you charge? Unless I'm a shareholder in your public company, absolutely not. Now, I'm pretty open with my close business friends and colleagues about money matters, but you won't hear me giving specific details here on the public podcast or on social media about my profits or how much I pay myself or my margins, etc., call me hypocritical, say I'm not practicing what I preach when it comes to transparency. But I will acknowledge that for most of my life, talking about money and specific dollar amounts has felt a little crass. I think that's changing. I hope that's changing. But I'm in my mid-40s. So at some point, my perception of this discussion is my reality. And I'm growing and I'm learning. But here's where I am. 
I don't need the world to know what my bank account looks like. And I've decided that it's because I also don't need or want to invite judgments on how I spend my money, either in and on my business or in my personal life. But I try really hard to not add to the noise in a non-productive way. Is it fun and sexy to talk with people about helping them set and achieve 5K, 10K, 20K, 50K plus months of revenue? You bet. I love goal setting. And I often ask clients to operate from an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. But when I work with clients on these goals, we get super granular and clear. We go deeper than that sexy 5K a month headline or 50K a month headline. Why do we want a 10K month? Is it to meet our annual top line revenue goals? Is it because we know our margins and expenses? We've already considered what our annual net revenue will be based on a $10,000 month. Is that goal considering the market value for the product or service? And also what joyful, meaningful work looks and feels like. $10,000 in revenue a month sounds great, but one client may be able to generate that in 10 hours of work, where another may need 160 working hours to hit that number. Neither is wrong or right, even though a lot of coaches will push the message that working less is always superior. You can probably tell from my tone that I am not one of those people. But understanding what is required to achieve a revenue goal based on your service and your market value, and how you want to live your life, that is so critical. And I think it often gets lost when we don't dive into what does it actually mean to be an X-figure founder. Speaking for myself, I love money, but not for the reasons you might think. I love what money allows me to do. I have a list of things that feel joyful in my life. I like to take my family on nice vacations a few times a year. I like having disposable income for some of those nice to have purchases like gel manicures, massages, investing in audiobooks, getting my car washed, enrolling my kids in sports programs. I love to contribute meaningfully to charitable causes and organizations that are important to me. Those are all things that money allows me to do. More money allows me to do more of those things, but there are diminishing returns, at least in my life. I do love money, but surviving burnout and examining what led me to work so hard for so long over so many hours, that has helped me understand that I love white space and freedom and rest just as much. My point is, talking about money makes for good, sexy, simple headlines. And I do it too. It's aspirational. It's inspirational. I am not here to vilify talking about being an X-figure founder or talking about 20K months. But remember this. It's much easier for someone to say, for example, I am a multiple six-figure founder than it is to say... I generated multiple six figures in top line revenue last year, but after expenses, my net profits were actually in the low six figures. And this year I'm tracking toward about 60% of what I did last year. And in the five years before this, I had less than $100,000 in top line revenue. And also most of my revenue last year came from one big course launch. And right now sales of that course are way down. It's much sexier to say, I'm a seven figure founder then it is to admit that your definition of seven figures is a sum of all the gross revenue you've made over 10 years, not an indication of what you make each and every year. 
I don't want you walking away thinking that I'm tattling or trying to make these messages out to be nefarious or unethical. Most founders who share these one-sentence statements about revenue are very good people who have had a lot of sustained success. I am genuinely thrilled that they are willing to share their perspective and their success and talk about money at all. But if you ever feel less than or like a failure because Sally Sue is over there talking about how easy it is to launch a seven-figure business while working seven hours a week, please remember that is never the whole story. And your success does not have to look like anyone else's. Fun fact, many solopreneurs that I know are more profitable than companies or teams that generate higher gross revenue, which means in the end, a solopreneur's take-home income may actually exceed another CEO's. So take a step back and decide what you need in terms of money and profits to feel great about your life. Take big swings. Go after massive goals. Don't be afraid to ask for more. Don't be afraid to attract money. But do not let what others say or do stop you from what you're meant to do. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Talent Show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You'll find show notes, resources, and more from today's episode at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick. You'll find me at Kay Widrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. Rising tide.